So glad to be here. Our first time. Praise God. Nakap. Oh, Nakap. I'm going to warn you. Uh, I have not preached in English in five years. I do all my teaching and all my preaching in Thai. So if I start mumbling and you don't know what I'm saying, uh, and I look out at my wife, it's because I forgot the English word, okay? So bear with me. Yesterday was my first time sharing the word uh, in English, and uh, yeah, it's a little stressful in English, hard. I'm used to Thai now. We haven't been back to America in five years, so uh, yeah, I haven't had any practice. So Anyway, that song we just sang, what a powerful message, a powerful message. I love that song. Actually, I turned to Andrea and said, we're going to interpret that into Thai. Our worship team is going to sing that song. Because it is a powerful message. And we have lived that for 32 years. Every time we've been in a tough place that looked like we were going to have to go home, every time we prayed, He heard us and He answered. You know, when we went to Thailand 32 years ago, it was the toughest thing we ever did, but it was the best thing we ever did. God never said serving Him would be easy. He never said, when you obey me, everything's going to be just how you want it. It won't be. Why? The devil does not like you. He does not like me. He doesn't want me in Thailand. Why? Because I am teaching the people how to serve God. He doesn't want that country to be God's country. He wants that country to stay Buddha's country. But I refuse. So... We're enemies. There are only two kingdoms in the world. There's the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Those are the only two kingdoms. And you have to decide which kingdom you're in. Whichever kingdom you're in, you're the enemy of the other kingdom. I would rather be an enemy of the devil's kingdom than of God's kingdom. So today I want to talk about the importance of sacrifice because everything in the Christian life is about sacrifice what are you willing to sacrifice to fulfill what God wants you to do what are you willing to sacrifice to see God's purpose and plan in your life fulfilled because everything that we do will come at a price. Everything. If you don't believe me, ask Pastor what he's had to give up to serve God. It's, it's always a sacrifice. We're going to we're gonna go to Romans chapter 4. I want to say, <laughs> Romans chapter 4, verses 19 to 22. And I'm going to kind of interlace uh, this this message with our story, because I really believe that our story, how we got to Thailand, and what it's been like, will encourage you. Because we're going to see God is not looking for the best speakers. He's not looking for the most anointed people. He's not looking for those that have the most gifts. He's looking for someone who has a heart. Someone who has a heart to say, Lord, I'm yours, I'll do whatever you want, no matter what it costs. 
That's what God's looking for. We spend most of our time looking at other people and say, yeah, but they're a good speaker and, and they're really talented and, oh, they can really sing and I can't do anything and so I'm not worthy. That's a wrong concept. That's the devil talking to you. Because God does not care how talented you are because when he calls you, he enables you. And nobody has learned that more than me. I went to Thailand. I'd only been a Christian for eight years. I had no idea where Thailand was, never even thought to look at a map. All I knew is he was calling our family to go. We have three children. We took our kids. Our youngest was one. Our oldest was seven. They grew up in Thailand. In Romans chapter 4, verse 19 to 22, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Pastor just said, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you know what that even means? What that means is when the world looks at you, they should see the righteousness of God. When they look at the way you live your life, when they look at the way your family lives their life, they should say, wow, now I know what God looks like. That's what that verse means. The thing that's important in this is Abraham was from a very idolatrous background, from Mesopotamia. His whole family were stargazers. They... They worshipped other gods. God chose him and said, Abraham, I'm calling you, calling you out. Leave. He had to leave. He had to sacrifice everything he knew in his life. He sacrificed his foundation. He sacrificed his family. He sacrificed his comfort. People would ask him, where are you going? He said, I don't know. I'll know when I get there. They probably thought he was crazy. He had to sacrifice what other people thought of him. Because they probably thought he was crazy. Do you know when God called us, they thought I was crazy. We were praising worship leaders in our church in America. That's all we'd ever done. And I was a manager at a big supermarket chain. And I thought that's what I was going to do. I made the mistake of asking God one day when I went into work. Is this it? Is this the plan you have for my life? Because it was a really good job. I would have had a great career. I would have made a lot of money, and I would have been comfortable. I'd be retired now. God said, no, this isn't it. Be careful what you ask for. And then one day I was in a field working. With my father-in-law just helping him on a day off. And a screen came down in front of me, like, like a screen, like this screen back here and this up here. And it came down in front of me, and I saw all these people. And they were, they were Asian, I knew. They had brown skin. They were all coming toward me. And I was just embracing them, but I wasn't saying anything. I just was doing this. And they were coming at me like a wave of just, I couldn't count. Couldn't count how many people. Just came at waves. And I had no idea. I'd never experienced anything like it. 
And then it was gone. I don't know whether it was one minute, ten minutes, one hour. I have no idea. All I know is I saw it. And when it left, I said, God, what was that? What did that mean? No answer. You know why sometimes God doesn't answer you? He wants you to seek Him. He's standing away off saying, I want you to come closer. When He gives you a revelation, He's inviting you closer. When He shows you something in the Word you've never seen before, He's inviting you closer. He's saying, come. Because the whole reason we're here is because God was looking for someone that He could fellowship with. And you and I are it. That's why we're here. So the devil tries to destroy your self-esteem. He tries to tell you you aren't worth anything. He tries to tell you he can't use you because of things you've done in your past. I want to tell you today, do not allow what's happened in the past to determine your identity or your future. Because God has a plan and a purpose. I know I was born and put on this earth to do what I'm doing right now. That is my purpose. And that's why I've stayed in that one city for 32 years. I haven't moved anywhere. I've had people ask me. I had one man try to tell me to go to Vietnam and work with him. He said, God didn't call me to Vietnam. He called me to this city, Bac Chong. He said, you are the most stubborn, hard-headed person I've ever seen in my life. I said, you're right. When I know what God's called me to do, I'm not doing anything else. I'm doing that. No more, no less. So Abraham leaves his family. When he's 75 years old, God comes to him. He has no children. God, where's my heir? 75 years old. God says, you're going to have a son. You're going to be the father of many nations. God made a covenant with him. 75. 85 years old, no son. 95 years old, no son. 100 years old, no son. Now his wife is 99. How many women would like to have a baby at 99 years old? I don't think anybody's going to wave that. That's a lot of work. <laughs> I wouldn't want one at 50. <laughs> Praise God. It looked absolutely impossible. But he believed that what God had promised, he was able to perform. That is the definition of faith. Believing that what God tells you he's going to do, he can do. The devil will say no. Moses said, can't you just call somebody else? Somebody better than me. I'm not a good speaker. But God said, no, I chose you. So here's Abraham and Sarah. Finally, at 100 years old, they have this son. You will be the father of many nations. One son. Impossible. A lot of times to obey God... We have to sacrifice our understanding. We have to, under, we have to uh, sacrifice what we think it should be like. Because it will never look like what we think it should look like. Because God does not do what we want. He does according to His own plan. I love the Scripture verse in uh, Numbers 23. 
I think it's 21, that says, God is not a man that he would lie, nor the son of man that he should repent or change his mind. Has he not said it? Will he not do it? Has he not spoken it? Will he not perform it? I love that scripture verse. When I pray every morning, I quote that verse. I say, Lord, I thank you. You are not a man that you would lie. What you say will come to pass. I don't have to understand it. You do not have to understand anything. If I knew what I would be doing right now in Thailand, I would have never gone. I didn't even want to be a pastor. I wanted to be, my dream job was to walk behind anointed pastor and carry his Bible. That was my job. That's what I was happy to do. Give me a John Osteen, a Kenneth Hagin. Give me a man of, a great man of faith. Lester Sumrall, I'll carry that man's bag. That's what I thought was my calling. But God, he blindsided me. I heard one, one pastor call him Jehovah Sneaky. It means when you think you're going along and everything's just fine, all of a sudden, boom, he nails you and you've got something else you're doing. And you didn't even know it was coming. That's how we got to Thailand. I didn't know it was coming. I had no idea. My wife would tell you, she told God, I will never be a missionary. Because when she was a child in church, she saw missionaries who got clothes, secondhand clothes out of a barrel and who walked like they were poor and they talked like, oh, life is so tough. He said, I'm not going to be that. So what does God do? Calls her to be a missionary. <laughs> Four months after I had that vision in the field that one day, a man walks up to me, a Thai man, a Thai pastor that I didn't know, never seen him before, walks up to me after we're done with praise and worship, says, hey, I want to show you a video. And I'm like, what? I want to show you a video. I asked five minutes of your time. I didn't know him. I said, well, I don't know about that. He said, no, I promise you, just five minutes. I got something I want to show you. So I said, okay. I sat down with him. We watched this video for five minutes. And when I was watching the video, God says to me, that's what happened in the field that day. And he looked at me when the video was over, and he said, will you come? I need help. You come teach at my Bible school. I said, you know, if I was a single man, you may listen to this. If I was a single man, I, well, I, I said, I will go right now. I'd go home, pack my bags, and ready to leave in half an hour. I said, but I have a wife, and I have three children. I am not going to drag my wife halfway around the world for my call. God's going to have to call my wife and my kids, or I'm not going. And so if you're going to pray anyway... You pray that God confirms this call, my wife and my children. I don't remember how long it took. Do you remember, babe? It was several months. God confirmed it through our children, my seven-year-old boy. And then she called me and said, at work and said, we're supposed to go. After that, it took us a whole year. I quit my job had to learn to trust God because I knew on the mission field we were going to have to trust God because we didn't have any money all we knew is we were called it took one year 
One year of trusting God like we'd never trusted Him before. One day we went into church with $5 in our pocket. That was our lunch money. And God said, give that $5. And we said, but God, if we do that, we don't have money for food. Give the $5. So we gave the $5. And do you know when we got home, there was a check in our, in our mailbox for $500. It was a test. It was a test. God loves to test you. He wants to see, will this person, when it really counts, will this person trust me? Because it's easy to sing a song, I trust God, but it's a whole different thing when you're in the moment and you don't know what you're going to do and you have to trust God. So here's, here's what happens in Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22, God says to Abraham, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, he said, Behold, here I am. He said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering, offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Okay, so... Abraham finally has a son. He's a teenager now. He's older. He's not a young boy. He's a, he's a teenager. And God says, I want you to take your son, your only son, the one you love. He has to stress that. And I want you to kill him as a sacrifice to me. I don't know about you. I would have stalled or something, waited for God to change his mind. I would have tried to talk him out of it. Abraham doesn't say a word. Bible says the next morning he got up early. It was still dark. He gets up early. I would have waited till at least noon. I would have slept in hoping maybe, just maybe, I'm going to get an email from God saying, I changed the plan. Never, never, never mind, never mind. No email came. So Abraham got up. Just remember, he's sacrificing his purpose. He's sacrificing God's purpose for him. He's putting it on the altar and saying, I am going to, I'm going to sacrifice this. Verses 3 through 5 says, Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come to you again. He knew that God had called him to be the father of many nations, and no matter what it looked like, he knew he was going to go up the mountain with his son and he was going to come back down the mountain with his son. He knew it. He did not lean on his own understanding. What he leaned on was God is on a man that he would lie. He knew the character of his God. So he said in his heart, I'm going to do this. So he takes the wood, puts it on, grabs the wood, grabs the fire, grabs his son, some rope, says, let's go. Tells 
his servant will be back. We're going to go worship. We're going to go worship. He didn't mean sing songs. He meant we're going to do what God says because that's worship. We think of worship as going to church and singing songs. Worship is a lifestyle. It is supposed to be a lifestyle. A lifestyle of obedience. He's about to sacrifice his future. He's about to sacrifice his hope. He's about to sacrifice his call to obey God. The Bible says God was tempting him or testing his heart. God wanted to see, is this man going to obey me no matter how tough it is? Is he got the kind of faith to stand firm when everybody else is against him? You know, when you decide to serve God with all your heart, unfortunately, most of the opposition will come from within the church, not without the church. We lost a lot of friends when we told our pastor we're going to go be missionaries. People who had been really close to us didn't know us anymore. When they saw us coming, they turned around and left. My, at the time, my spiritual father disowned me. It was words going around the church. Steve is really irresponsible. How could he take his wife and kids and go over there to die? That was all coming from the church, from our quote-unquote Christian friends. I will tell you this. If you're more worried about what other people think of you or say of you, you will never you'll never fulfill your purpose. You have to be able to stand and say, God told me to do this, I'm doing this. You know, I'm the only son. My mom was very angry. And I told her, Mom, we're going to go to Thailand. We're moving. When are you coming back? Probably never. She was very angry. I'm her only son. How could I do that? I had to make a choice. Do I listen to my mom or do I obey God? I said, Mom, I love you, but I'm going to obey God. And I flew off. We flew off. It's been an adventure. I'll tell you, you have to sacrifice a lot, but the blessings far outweigh the sacrifice. I have loved my life. My wife has loved her life. We were being away from our kids for a long time. But they understand. My son told me, Dad, I don't want you to move back to America. I want you to stay where you are. I said, why is that? He said, Dad, I want you to fulfill your purpose. I want you to fulfill your ministry. We'll see each other again in heaven. That blessed me. Because he, he gets it. So he's going up the mountain. Verses 6 through 8. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father. 
He said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? That would, oh, stab in the heart. Where's the burnt offering, Dad? Oh, you're the burnt offering, son. I'm going to kill you. Uh, I mean, that would, for me, that would just like be the hardest part. And Abraham said to him, my son, God will provide himself a lamb. We now know that lamb is Jesus. God provided the lamb for us. And they went, both of them together. Sorry. Uh, Genesis 22, 9-12. And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound his son with a rope. What do you think his son was thinking when he saw the fire on the, on the, on the, on the ground there, on the, the, the on fire, and he's wrapping a rope around him? That says a lot about Isaac. Isaac had the heart of his father because he never said, God, what, Dad, why are you doing this? He didn't say anything. He just stood there and his dad tied him up. He knew what was coming. He didn't say a word. He didn't run away. He just obeyed his dad. And, bound, and, and laid the wood in the altar and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Lay not thine hand on the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. God was telling him, I know I can trust you with what I'm going to give you. I know I can trust you to be the father of Israel. I can trust you to be the line of Jesus. I can trust you because I know and no matter what, you will obey me. That's what God was saying to him. God's purpose for your life and your ministry is established on the altar of sacrifice. If you are not willing to sacrifice, you will never fulfill your purpose. There have been so many times in Thailand where it looked like we were done. I remember one time when our kids were little. We went to the... We went to the immigration office, and the lady told us, I am not going to give you a visa. I'm not going to extend your visa. It was like 8.30 in the morning. She was adamantly opposed to giving us a visa. So we said, kids, just pray. We're going to pray. So we sat there from 8.30 in the morning to 4.30 in the afternoon. And people came into the office with their passports and reached out with them and left and other people came in, and they stamped their visas, and they all went. Not us. And she looked at us a second time, and she said, I'm not giving you a visa. And she left. And we just sat there. I began to get up and leave. God said, where are you going? She's not going to give us a visa. Sit down. So we stayed there until they were closed. And she finally stamped our visas, and we were able stay. We had 10 days left, but we had to get out of the country. The enemy didn't want us there, but we had a promise. We prayed. God, we did not come here on our own. You put us here. So if you still want us here, you're going to have to do something. And he did. He heard us, and he answered us. 
He never fails. Never fails. He said, take thou thy son, thine only son. You know, when we came over to Thailand, we never raised any money. We sold our house, took that money. We had enough money for three months. And we said, God, when this money's gone, we'll go home. And we've been there for 32 years. He's been faithful. He is so faithful. If there was anything that I want to encourage you today is that he is faithful. His word is true. He will never go against his word. In fact, Psalm says, I have exalted my word above my very name. He will never break his word. That is why when you're in a situation, you go find a scripture verse. You go find a promise. And you hang on to that promise. And you pray that promise. And you say, Lord, this is your promise to me. We're not done in, in Thailand. I told our people in our church, we aren't going to have members. These members just come and warm a seat. We're going to have disciples. Because you're going to build the church, I'm not going to build the church. So I'll teach you, you're going to build it. You're going to be the church. You are the church. You are His church. And every one of you has a ministry. Every one of you whether it's helping pastor in the church, whether it's leading praise and worship, it's all up to God. Not everybody is a pastor. I tell our people, you have to know your lane and stay in your lane. You have to know what you're called to do and do that. Because God gives you the grace you need to do what He's called you to do. You don't do something because somebody else is doing it and they're a success. You can't say, well, he's a pastor of a church. I want to do a church too. Because if you do that, it will be the toughest thing you ever did and you'll fail. And you will be discouraged and burned out. Not everybody's called to be a missionary. It's whatever he wants you to do. Abraham did what God told him to do without wavering and God counted it to him as righteousness. God took it as worship. We've been there 32 years now. I don't know how many more years we'll be there. We don't know. We don't have any idea. Our kids are asking us. We don't know. Because it's not up to us. Retiring is not up to us. His choice. He called us. And I've said, Lord, I want to at least... See the beginning of the revival you're going to bring to Thailand. I want to see it. Right now, Thailand, after 30 years, Thailand is less than 1% Christian. Less than 1%. That's putting the Catholics and the Mormons and the Seventh-day Adventists and the Jehovah Witnesses all in one lump. Less than 1% after 30 years of working. But it's not my problem. My problem is to do what he's called me to do, and that is... Teach the Bible. Build up strong Thai believers that know the Word of God, that are sold out to God, and they, have, they are growing in the gifts that God has given them. That's my job. It's not pastor's job to make you strong. That's your job. His job is to give you the, the food you need to grow. Whether you receive it or not is up to you. But if you have a heart to receive it, you will grow. 
and you will fulfill what God has called you to do. Because he is not a man that he would lie. Another person that I think of is Paul. In Philippians 3, 8 and 9, he says, Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of knowing Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for, am I, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And do not count them, but, not, but do count them, but dung, that I may with Christ, may win Christ, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul was from a very influential family. They were all Pharisees called himself a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was in the upper echelon in the country. If he had not received Jesus, if he had not believed on Jesus, he probably would have been a wealthy man of great influence in the Jewish culture. But he obeyed. And he became the greatest disciple, greatest apostle. And he wrote for us two-thirds of the Bible. And that's why we can sit here and we can read the Bible and know more than the disciples. We can understand more than the disciples understood when Jesus went to heaven. Paul said, I've lost everything. His call cost him everything. But he decided that his call was not, could not be compared with the things that he lost. The blessings in obeying God cannot be compared to what we give up. Because what we give up is the stuff in this world. We don't give up anything that's worth anything. We give up temporary things. I stand before you and I, I want to encourage you. We need to have the heart of Abraham. Lord, I don't understand this. I don't understand how this can be. But I trust you. I believe you. And he will count it to you as righteousness. You will never be righteous because you obey a set of rules. That's righteousness that comes by the law or by the flesh. Our righteousness comes because we believe Him. And we have reckless abandonment and say, you know what? It may not make any sense what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it anyway. I could go on for hours, but you guys would probably all fall asleep <laughs> or get really hungry. I wish I could have Andrea come. We lived in the jungle for the first five years we were there. No running water, no electricity, cut off from everything. And we lived there for five years with our kids. And you know what? We first went in, it was like, wow, I don't know if we can do this. But when we left after five years, we were, wow, I'm going to miss it. I'm going to miss my jungle. That's the Andrew said, I'm going to miss my jungle. I'm going to miss my, my, my birds in the morning singing in the trees. God takes what looks like a terrible situation and he turns it into a blessing. Why? Because he changes our hearts. When you're being tested, God's changing your heart if you allow him so that you can see the blessing in the midst of the storm. 
I want to encourage you guys. I mean, it's just uh, been a privilege to stand up here and share the Word of God with you. I want to encourage you that no matter what happens, you can fulfill His purpose for your life, but there will be opposition. There will be things that happen that shake you. As long as you stand firm and say, I know what He called me to do. For me, I just kept coming back that day in the field every time. I come back that day in the field and say, that wasn't me, that was you. I obeyed you. So I cannot fail. Do you know when you are obeying God, you cannot fail. It's impossible for you to fail when you're doing what God's called you to do. Man tells you you have to have the credentials. But I'll tell you right now, God's call is the greatest credential you can have. If you're called, that's your credential. God will empower you. God will enable you. He will give you whatever giftings you need to do it, even the ones you don't know you have. Everyone in this room has gifts. And there are some gifts that you don't even know about. Why? Because you haven't been tested. Jesus called Peter out of the boat. And there came a second when Peter had this little thing going on inside him. It's impossible. If I step out of the boat, I'm going to sink. The other half was, but if I trust him, he called me out. So he didn't walk on the water. He walked on the command, come. He walked on what Jesus said. Jesus called him. He walked on the call. And he didn't sink until he started looking around and started thinking too much, then he started sinking. Sinking thinking. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to pray for you right now. There's some of you that are wondering what your purpose is. I just want to pray for you. Is that okay? Because everybody has a purpose. There's not one person sitting here that does not have a purpose. You all, every one of you are not an accident. You have a purpose. God wanted you on this earth for such a time as this, but the world tells you you're not good enough. Society tells you if you're poor, you're not good enough. It has nothing to do with anything. We're children of the Most High God. We are heirs. Heirs with Christ Jesus. Joint heirs with Jesus. Do you know what that word joint heir means in the Greek? In Romans 8, 17, it means to break. What that means is Jesus took his inheritance, which is the whole universe, he broke it in half, reached it out to you and said, okay, you take half, I'll take half. That's what that word means. That's what he did. He took his inheritance and shared it with you. You are not poor. Tell the person to your left and to your right, you are not poor. You are not poor. You are not destitute. You are good enough. Because Jesus did not die for people who are not worthy. He died for people who are worthy. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for everyone here. Father, I pray that they will Know your destiny for them.
I thank you they will have the heart of Abraham. I thank you they will fulfill your plan and your purpose in this country or wherever you call them. Anoint them, Lord. Use them, Lord. Speak to them, Lord. And I thank you your purpose will be fulfilled in the life of everyone here. I praise your holy name, Lord. We exalt your holy name. We thank you, Lord, because you never lie. We trust you, Lord. We lay all of our needs. We lay all of our problems, all of our cares. We know everything. We lay it at your feet. And we raise our hands and say, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy. Praise your holy name. You are worthy. We will sacrifice everything in our life to fulfill your plan and your purpose. Father, in the name of Jesus, just bless these people. Bless this church. Bless this neighborhood. Bless this city. Bless this country. Father, move in the government of this country. By the power of the Holy Spirit, move. Thank you for the revival that you have ordained for this country. And thank you, Lord. You are training your people so they can have part in that in-day revival that's going to come to this country and to Thailand. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Your hand is upon this nation. Your hand is upon Thailand. I don't care what it looks like on the outside because you, you are the only true God. And every spiritual force on he in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth has to bow before the mighty name of Jesus. So I thank you now for it. We praise your holy name. We bless you, Lord. We exalt you in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen, Pastor.